Hey, this is Christian Golden. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you. I hope it builds you up. Enjoy the message. I would imagine if we all lined up in single file order out the door and shared our personal life stories about Pastor Paul Golden and how he affected each and every one of us, we'd go well into the night and on into the next day. We would have to have somebody bring pizza and Starbucks just to sustain us for all the wonderful stories about Pastor Paul. And he didn't call it Starbucks. He used to call it Five Bucks. Do you all remember that? Because you can't get anything in there less than five bucks. And he meant it. There are many types of legacies that people can leave behind, but there is only one legacy that matters, and that's the legacy of a believer in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning, and most of you are, I'm going to tell a story of how Pastor Paul affected your life and and what kind of legacy he left for all of us. So what is a legacy? What is a legacy? A legacy is an inheritance or a quality that is handed down from one previous generation to the next. It includes more than passing on of wealth. A lot of times we think of legacy as somebody passing on an inheritance of wealth, land, property, houses, but it's more than that. It includes more than that. It's a, a legacy also means character, passing on character, passing on your beliefs, passing on your faith towards your family, your children, your congregation. And when you've been around a person who he not only left a legacy, but he lived a legacy, it can be very challenging to adequately adequately give due justice on their life in a morning sermon. So my point is this. It's very difficult to give a 45-minute sermon on a good man. It's even more difficult to give a 45-minute sermon on a great man, and it's impossible to give a 45-minute sermon on an amazing man, an extraordinary man. So the things I'm going to say today, I won't even be the half. But my pastor, my teacher, my brother, my leader, the man who ordained me, my pastor Paul Golden was an extraordinary man, and his legacy lives in every single one of us today. And I said all that as I was prepping my sermon on leaving a legacy, realizing that everything Pastor Paul taught us has become to each and every person a living legacy. It's not something that he left. He, He lived. He left a legacy, but he lived a legacy. And I realized fast that I wouldn't even be able to gonna say the half of what a great man Paul Golden was and is and will continue to be. So we're all going to leave a legacy. If the Lord took me home tomorrow, I would leave a legacy behind for my wife, for my children, for my family. If you were to step in the arms of Jesus today, you too would leave a legacy for those who come behind you. So what does this mean exactly? It means that how you live here what you live for, and how you invest your life makes a difference. Would you agree? Would you agree that how Pastor lived his life, poured into ours, made a difference? Made a difference in mine. I know it made a difference in yours as well. Everything Pastor did made a difference. Paul's journey has taken him from one state to another state. He loved to be on the open road. And and Miss Sandy right on the back of that bike, nonstop, one state from another. He reached his reach and impact as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ spans far and wide from the north to the south, the east and the west. 
His commitment to share the gospel has traveled from Alaska on a motorcycle, on down through all the states and down into inner parts of Mexico. And his love for Jesus has flown across many oceans into countries that many have only seen on a map, like China and Africa. Pastor Paul walked in complete authority and belief that wherever his feet touched the ground, and came, that that place came under the authority of Jesus Christ. And every time I would call him and say, Pastor, I'm in the hospital with my wife. I'm in the hospital with my daughter. And the first thing he would say, well, that hospital now belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. The doctors, the nurses, the equipment, the needles, the good stuff they're saying, and the bad stuff. That all belongs to Jesus. And Pastor didn't just talk about it. He lived it. He breathed it. And he, he believed with all of his heart. That was the exact truth, according to the Word of God. And if you ask him to walk a mile with you, he would walk too. And if he had a dollar in his pocket, you had a dollar in yours. One of the things that I admired so much about Pastor Paul was his photographic memory. That most of us, uh, his photographic memory was like the likes of which most people couldn't even fathom. People all over this world sought his wisdom. He knows every word from in the beginning to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Genesis to Revelation. He didn't just know it. He breathed it. He was probably the only man that I've ever met that could to write the entire Bible from memory, start to finish, all the subtitles, the chapters, and the verse. He was a very intelligent man. He didn't just know about the Bible. He knew the Bible. He lived it and breathed it his entire life. He knew everything that surrounded the Bible. He didn't just know the Bible. He knew all the history about all the wars that happened and all the persecution of all the Jews. He understood prophecy, just a wealth of knowledge. Didn't he miss Sandy? He loved to talk. And on those, those, the, all the times I was there when he had his chemo, he would start talking and he would just come alive, just this whole new person. Yeah, it was such an uh, amazing time. And don't ask him for prayer unless you're prepared to grab, for him to grab your hand, because he will. He had radical prayers. Pastor Paul would take that grain, that mustard seed of faith, and that's all he needed. And if God said we could move a mountain, he went to digging. And sometimes he'd say you'd have to make the first step. Sometimes he'd say you have to stand and let God do what God does, or you have to get out of your way. Get out of your own way and let God be God. But he had radical prayers. Many miracles happened, some of which our, our finite minds couldn't even fathom to come through the hands of our Pastor Paul with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's on one of these trips to Mexico that Pastor prayed for a kid who had one leg that was short. And as he started praying, this short leg grew, and it, he was praying so hard it grew past the other leg. True story. So then we had a predicament here. We had the long leg. The short leg was longer than the long leg, and the long leg was shorter than the short leg. So then what, what was going to happen? And as he was telling the story, I just could imagine all the people around that was watching this, like, oh, no. Is he going to be six inches taller or six inches shorter? And so what did you do? You prayed, and it went back to place. What an amazing uh, What an amazing. A miracle. And, and another one that really struck dear to my heart is, is one of their trips to Africa. They were driving down in the, in, in the bush, I guess you would call it, and this warrior 
jumped out with the spear and the shield, and he told the guy that was driving, did he not, Miss Cindy, if you don't have enough toys in your suitcase for my village, I'm going to kill you. And, and instead of telling the driver, take me back to the airport, I'm out of here, they went forward in faith. And when they got there, didn't even look. He just started grabbing and handing them out. And just like the, when Jesus fed the 5,000, there was some left. That's a true miracle. That was a true miracle. And it was because of the faith and the courage that Pastor had to step out beyond what we all would come up to as something and be fearful and stop, he would go forward. And that's how he taught us to have that radical faith, that radical prayers. I've shared this with some of y'all, but there's a lot of new faces here, so I don't mind sharing it again. When I was in El Paso working, I just came home from a, a visitation with my wife about three weeks prior, and she called me, and she said she was pregnant, but there was no heartbeat. And I remember sitting on the backside of the motel crying, and I called my pastor, Paul Golden, from El Paso, Texas, and said, Pastor, we have a problem. And he said, okay, let's pray. So they prayed, and I prayed. And he said, tell your wife when she gets to the doctor to do another check for a heartbeat. And her mom came and told her the same thing. And that was in 2008. And my daughter, Sarah Grace Olaf, was born December 12, 2008. They found a heartbeat of 140. And it wasn't my faith that did it. It was my pastor's faith. And what an example that sometimes when you're stronger in an area in the ministry, the pastor would always come in and teach us that we come in behind the people who are not as strong, and we stand with them, and we love them through some things. The pastor has fasted more days in his life than many of you are alive, and that's not an exaggeration. Every time I would talk to him, I'm fasting, bud. Can you go eat? No, I'm fasting. He fasted so much. I couldn't keep up with him. I tried it, and about lunchtime the first day, I was looking for a hamburger. I mean, he was just, he lived, he knew that fasting worked. And he would tell me, how's your fast going, bud? And as I was wiping the ketchup off my mouth, not good, Pastor, not good. But I'll get it next time. So then he felt sorry for me and said, hey, why don't you just fast one meal at a time? <laughs> we'll get that rolling. We'll get you figured out, bud. Don't worry about it. But he did. He loved to fast, because not only because... It's a principle in the Bible, but some things he understood. Like Jesus said, some things can only be dealt with through prayer and fasting. pastor lived his life being an example, and he would always, one of the things he would always say is, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We started, uh, Lisa Heitman started a Facebook page, not a page, but a, a thread, that I would encourage you to go and find it. She tagged me in it, and what it is, it's a whole list of what, uh, Dwayne used to tell me that it's called Paulisms. All of his one-liners. I'm encouraging you, put your one-liners on there. Go and, and write everything down so you can look back over them. It's pretty, it's, there's some pretty good stuff in there. And, but many of us in here today have been on the receiving end of pastor's love and the motto of our church, people touching people. He's helped me in so many ways that I can't even begin to tell you. He loved the unlovable. He would hug the dirtiest people and not, not even flinch. He didn't care what you looked like, what you smelled like. 
he would hug you. And he wouldn't just hug you, he would love you. And when everybody had given up on him, or somebody, he wouldn't. I was one of those people. But he would also hug the cleanest people. One of the amazing things about Paul was he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was always the same. Always had the same smile. It didn't matter what he was going through. And I know some of the times he was smiling, he was faking, he told me. But it's okay. It's like he told me. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. And that works for some things, but not all things. He loved the unlovable. He would hug the dirtiest people and then turn around and hug the cleanest people. And when people attacked him and his family, and they did on more than one occasion, what did he do, Sandy? He gave forgiveness. Always reached out his hand for forgiveness. When people attacked his family and his church, and they did, what did he do? What did our pastor do? He reached out and grabbed them up and said, I love you. And he gave forgiveness, absolute forgiveness. No questions about it. And as Charlie said this morning, not one inappropriate word has ever come out of his mouth. I've never heard a bad word. I've never heard him say something negative about anybody, anywhere, at any time, even in the middle of heated discussions. He's never made lewd or inappropriate comments or gestures towards any woman in public or in private. And there was a reason for that. And that was because he loved his wife. He loved his bride. Unconditional. Miss Sandy was his pride and joy. The apple in his eye. And he would tell us stories that I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> Some things boys got to keep to boys. But without a doubt, his heart and soul was knitted to you, Miss Sandy. And that's why he would never even look or say things that was even suggestive about any other woman. Because he didn't want anybody to mistake his love for his wife. He always had a kind word to share. He always had a scripture to give. He always had a hand extended. And when everyone had given up on someone, he never did. He never gave up on anyone, ever, in his life. No matter what happened to him, no matter how bad they treated him, he never gave up. But one thing for certain about Pastor, he was a steady voice for many. Many in our church, many people that over the... 30, 40 years of his ministry, he was always a steady voice. He was always ready and willing to go to battle against the enemy. And one thing about Pastor Paul, he was awesome at spiritual warfare. He didn't back down. He wasn't scared of any of them. And he was really good at spiritual warfare. And he was always ready to fight in the spiritual realm. And he understood spiritual warfare better than anybody that I've ever met. Because he was a spiritual man. He lived a spiritual life. He wore the armor of God in Ephesians 6 every day of his life. And Pastor Paul was to be the first one to tell you, sometimes i got to get out of my own way. Sometimes, when, like the Apostle Paul said, so when you've done all you can do is stand, he wasn't afraid to stand. He wasn't afraid to let go and let God do what God was going to do. And what an example for us when we hang on to these hopes and desires and dreams that we have and they're just not lining up with the Word of God, sometimes you just got to stand. When you're going through storm after storm, difficulty after difficulty, and you've done all you can do, the Apostle Paul says to stand. Pastor Paul was a, uh, an example of that. He wasn't afraid to let go and let God. One of the most amazing things that I love so much about Pastor Paul was his ability to see a gift inside of everyone. His ability to see a gift inside of everyone. He was a... He was, <laughs> 
If you wanted to preach, he let you preach. If you wanted to teach, he would let you teach. If you wanted to serve, he would let you serve. And he let you try and try until you got it right. So many times when we are so quick to give up on somebody because they're not meeting up our expectations. Pastor had expectations for everybody. And sadly, we've, we've fallen short of that for most of our life. But did he ever give up? He's seen the potential. He's seen the gift. And he would pull those gifts out of you and let you use them and teach you to use them. And he'd come alongside you. He had more patience than Job, especially with me. He had more faith than Moses. He had more strength than Samson. And he had more fight than King David. Our pastor was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was a magnet. Would y'all agree? Pastor was a magnet. People of all ages, all races, rich or poor, it didn't matter. They were attracted to him. And like he used to always say, from the uttermost to the guttermost, he loved all of us. And he picked me up when I was in the guttermost and brought me to a place to be in my best. Were y'all attracted to Paul in that way? Just like a magnet. Wherever he went, people flocked to him. It's because of that ambience that he carried, that Holy Spirit, that peace, that it didn't matter what was going on. He was steady. He never wavered. He never faltered. He wasn't ashamed of Jesus Christ, ever. He was always trying to drop J-bombs. Y'all know what a J-bomb is? I'm not not talking about my nephew. I call him J-bomb. But pastor used to always drop J-bombs everywhere he went. Jesus bombs. Every chance. If, he, if you're sitting at a restaurant and they brought water, pastor would say, oh, we're fixing to pray. Would you like to pray with us? He was always trying to get a leg up into somebody's life in conversation so he could do what? To share the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of Jesus Christ. And he always tried to strike up conversation. He was a true example of what Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Pastor didn't have one ounce of fear in his life. Not one ounce of fear. If God said he could do it in the Bible, Pastor believed it. And he went and he did it. He lived by these words, It is better to shoot and miss than never shoot at all. And when he told me that, I was on coming home from work one day, and I stopped and got out of my truck, and I ran out in the middle, dodging, felt like I was Frogger, dodging cars to get out in the middle of this median to talk to this homeless guy. And I was talking to him, and I gave him a Christian starter kit, and I started praying with him. And then when I got back in the car, I said, man, should I have done that? So I called Pastor Paul, and I said, you know, hey, this, I did this, and, and, you know, what do you think about that? And, and was I allowed to do that? And you know what he said? This is the statement that changed my life forever. Somebody tell you that you couldn't. And it was just like a ton of bricks. He saw everything from a possibility. And he said, did anybody ever tell you that you couldn't? And I said, no, sir. And, he said, and then he said this, it is better to shoot and miss than never shoot at all. When he started the church back in the 80s, like Christian Center, he took a shot. If he had never took a shot, he wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today. Many of us, he has taught us to take chances in our life, to take risks, to take ch- and especially when it comes to people. He took a chance on me. He took a risk. He shot at me with his words. 
And he took so many chances. And he taught so many of us in here to shoot at our goals, to shoot at our dreams. He always encouraged you to do better. Always encouraged you to do better. His passion for the lost and hurting souls compelled him to start a church in Africa, which has grown bigger than we can even imagine. And for over 40 years, Paul David Golden lived out the great commission given by Jesus to every one of us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And yes, I am with you, even until the end of the age. In 1996, uh, Pastor Paul baptized me and my brother Jason. And I got my picture out, and I got it sitting there by my Bible on my desk, and I always look at it, and I felt, at first I was kind of envious and jealous that Pastor had gone on to be with the Lord because he's getting to hug my brother before me. And it took me, it took me a minute to write that. I was 20 years old. My brother was 18. And I can stand here today and say that he's been the same man through and through. He spent his entire life searching for lost souls, not just talking about it. Pastor lived about it. He loved finding lost people. He loved praying the prayer of salvation. He always had a trick or, or a little phrase or something to ignite some sort of a conversation. He loved searching for lost souls. And under his teaching and through the Holy Spirit, he's led hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. See, we, most of us, get, we see what goes on here in the States, but we don't really truly understand the full extent of like Christian ministries of what's going on in Africa and all the other countries that we've been to and started things. There's been a revival over there for years. They'll walk for hours and hours and days just to get to the church, and then when they have church, they have church all day long. When the preacher preaches, he preaches all day long. They barely let him have time to stop and eat. They're in constant revival. And our pastor founded that and started that. Now think of the rewards that he has in heaven. Everybody talks about winning souls for Christ Jesus. And every time you win a soul, you get a crown for that soul. I could imagine it's going to be about seven, eight months. Pastor's going to get tired of throwing crowns at Jesus. Here's another one. Here's another one. Can we move on already? That's what I picture him doing. But to be honest, my first thought of pastor's last breath here and first breath there was Jesus running up to the gates and saying, y'all, come here. Come here. This is my son. My well done, faithful servant son. Let me tell you what he's done. Let me share with you the type of legacy that he lived on earth. That's how I pictured it. Rather than when I get there, he's going to ask Peter, I don't know, could he come in? <laughs> Should we let him in? And I'm going to say, go ask Pastor Paul. <laughs> One of his favorite verses that I heard him quote over and over, especially when he was sick, is found in Philippians 1.21. And if you get a chance, when we were setting up yesterday, I asked Sandy if I could open the Bible to that verse because he quoted it so much in his life, and that's Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
Did he not live a life to exemplify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And now guess what he has? He has the gain. Nothing could shake Paul. Nothing could shake him. Nothing could break him. Our pastor never backed down. He never sat down and he never laid down. He never gave up and he never shut up and, or backed up. Amen, Sandy. She knows. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to sleep and he's wanting to talk about church. <laughs> uh, he used to tell me. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He was a fighter, and he sacrificed his own time and desires to fight for his flock without complaining, without being bitter, without being angry. If you were in a predicament and you needed somebody to pray with you, he was the first one to lead the charge. And he taught me that being called pastor is more than having a framed certificate hanging on the wall. It means being a shepherd. He spent a lot of time talking to me about the role and responsibility of a shepherd. It's a high calling. It's a very high calling, and it comes with a lot of responsibility, but it also comes with a lot of correction from the Lord, a lot of learning. So I felt fitting to add some things. A shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of our flock. Miss Roberta was telling me a story the other day when I called her about Pastor And she said, well, you know, I used to text him at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd send him a message and ask him a question thinking it would be the next day when he responded, but he sent one back immediately. How many of y'all have done that? It didn't matter what time you call pastor, what time you send him a text message, it's like he never slept. Every time I call, he answered. A shepherd calls a sheep by name. pastor knew every one of us by name. He didn't just know us by name. He knew who we were. He knew who our children were. He knew who our family, extended family were. He knew where we worked. He knew us, not just by name, but by who we are and who he helped us to be. A shepherd knows his sheep. How many could say that pastor knew you? How many could say that you could walk up to pastor and you knew you had to tell the truth because he knew some things? (laughs) Yes, he did. He knew some things. A shepherd leads his sheep. Pastor Paul is always led by example. He never asks us to do anything that he himself hasn't already done or wasn't willing to do. A shepherd goes before his sheep. How many times has pastor led the charge for one of us in a crisis, in a hurricane, in a sickness? Who was the first one there? Who was the first one to start praying? Who was the first one to open their pocketbook? Paul Golden. A shepherd provides for his sheep. The pastor has provided for every one of us. Some of us physical food, but most of us and all of us in here can say we have partook of his spiritual food that he handed down. And a shepherd keeps his flock from danger. And yeah, there was a lot of physical dangers, but pastor was so concerned about our spiritual being, and he would always tell us and um about harboring unforgiveness or bitterness and how it would become deep-rooted into our hearts and if not taken care of immediately would be this wellspring of, of just nasty stuff in your spirit. And he was the first one to tell you, you got to forgive them. I, I don't care if they did eat all your chocolate bonbons, you got to forgive them. <laughs> you have to. And he said it's not just a biblical principle, but if you don't, you're never going to move forward in your walk. So I would ask you this morning, if you have any unforgiveness in your heart, 
any bitterness towards anybody for any reason. It doesn't matter. You don't have to talk about it. It'd be between you and the Lord. When we pray, when we close, I would ask you to surrender that to God so we can walk out of here renewed with a better spirit, with a better hope, and with a better fight and a charge. A shepherd marks his sheep. And Pastor Paul left a mark on into each and every one of us. Somehow, some way, the rest of our life, we're going to be thinking about this man. And the shepherd keeps his flock together. And that's, that was so big for him. He would, he, he would willingly apologize for things he didn't do for the sake of keeping unity in the body. And what an example. On the times that we think he should rise up and fight, he would humble himself and pray and ask for forgiveness and ask for you to, to give him another chance to make things right, even when he didn't do no wrong. How many sermons did pastor preach on unity in the body? A shepherd will carry a sheep. Pastor had carried us through some of the most amazing times in our life. He's carried me through so many things from my children being born uh, to me getting my master's license. Just so many amazing experiences in my life. But he's also carried me through some of the toughest and the hardest. And when I didn't have the strength to pray or, I didn't even, or the strength to even know what I needed to do, he knew. He always knew. He always had an answer. One thing that a shepherd also does is, is he grooms us. The pastor's groomed many of us into the ministry. He was gifted with just about every calling in the Bible. And many of us don't realize that. So he knew how to bring it out in us. He was gifted to bring out the gifts. He knew how to teach. He knew how to preach. He knew how to organize. He knew how to pray. He knew how to fast. He knew how to counsel whether it be drug addiction, marital problems, didn't matter. He was a wealth of knowledge because he submitted his life to God and God poured into him. He reminds me so much of Solomon when he asked for knowledge and wisdom instead of wealth. And that's what happened to Paul. Because he'll tell you, he left money to come to Alvin. And that's a funny story because... He would tell us almost every Sunday, and we started getting the idea that he didn't even want to be here. <laughs> I left money to come here, so like, y'all should be grateful <laughs> that I'm even here right now. <laughs> and I've made it a purpose in my heart that every story I remember, I'm going to write it down. Because if you don't, they'll fade away. Not all of them, but some of them. A shepherd corrects his sheep. And I say that because I wanted to ask if I was the only one that got called into the carpet in the pastor's office for twisting off on somebody. Am I the only one that got lippy with somebody? That got mouthy? No? I didn't see no hands raised. <laughs> pastor had this amazing gift to bring you in, to sit you down, say, hey, bud, we can't do that, and make you feel happy. I mean, extremely happy that you just got chewed out. What a gifted man. What a gifted man. And we've had many of them conversations because most of y'all don't know, I was a little rough when he got me. And as I look into Psalms 23, it says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, and one thing I can say about pastor is the same rod of wisdom that pastor used to protect us is the same rod of wisdom that he used to correct us. 
like he had a double-edged sword. He'd swing it one way, and it'll cut me upside and down the other, and he'll cut Gabe another way. Same word. Same word. And as a reflect of my own life, and, uh, of my spiritual father, my teacher, my pastor, my friend, and my brother, it reminds me of another great shepherd named Jesus Christ. And I said all that, and, and it may look as if I'm setting Pastor up to be a savior. I am not. Pastor was not the savior. He was the first one to, to come and tell you that, you know, don't praise me, praise God. Everything he did, he did in secret. I will not, I will, I will not, I'm not going to give exact details, but I can't tell you how many times Pastor's given me thousands of dollars to sow into other people's lives without them knowing it. And what an honor that he would trust me to do that. And many of you have received that. You just didn't know it. But it was our pastor, our shepherd, who had such a great love for us and his people that he would take away from his own. Everything pastor did was a direct path to the cross of Calvary. Everything pastor said was a direct path to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And one of the and of all the things that pastor has ever taught me, this one truth has impacted my life more than anything. And once I grabbed a hold of this and really started understanding what it means, my life changed, my study changed, my prayers changed, the way I look at people changed. And it was that everyone is equal at the foot of the cross. And he, used, and he would teach me that because so many times we, we want to bring in and praise the, the wealthy people and we want to praise the nicely dressed people and we want to shun away from the not so clean people. And he put, poured that into my life because if we're going to live like Christ, we have to live like that. Because Christ, who did he go to? The same people that many of us shun. So if we're going to live like Christ, if we're going to continue Paul's legacy, Maybe we need, like, he, what did he always say? A what? A checkup from the neck up? How many times did he say that? We need a checkup from the neck up. Well, he loved the unlovable. Care for the uncareable. Everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. The cross gives all a level playing field, rich or poor, black or white, man or woman, young or old. Jesus came and he died for all. The pastor taught us that it's a high price to pay for low living. It's a high price to pay for low living. And I have some stories that Pastor and I talked about. I'm going to keep them personal right here. And that we haven't even begun to live life until we meet Jesus. Can you say that today, church? Can you say that you haven't understood what living life is about until you got saved and asked Jesus to be your Savior? One of my favorite movies is called Gladiator. And one of the characters in the movie is named Maximus, played by Russell Crowe. And he said this to his boys as they were fixing to run out and fight. The brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Could there be anything more true that what we do here on earth determines our rewards in heaven? What kind of rewards would you imagine that our pastor has right now? Years and years of faithfulness, being true to his family, being true to his children, being true to the position and ministry that God has given him. Could there be anything more true that the things done here on earth will determine our rewards in heaven? 
Hey, this is Christian Golden. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things for us. The first is to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with everything going on here at LCC. Also, you can help us reach others around the world by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.